Can you think of a Fellas. game? Yeah, can you think of a game off the top of your head about a dude? Um, uh, Max Payne. <laughs> well, Max Payne is good. I was gonna say, you know, we got a dad game this week. The Last of Us Two. Part two. Part two. It's not The Last of Us Two. sound slightly uncomfortable that's because we're two completely sober white guys who are trying to have a com- an earnest conversation about masculinity in video games version of masculinity is even less visible in video games as that look at me you know for, for the two hours that I'm playing this game I'm not the loser that I actually am so I was sitting around the other day and I was kind of having this, like, up in the fluid of my brain, this kind of ambient thought bubbled to the top. And I was thinking, you know, there's no podcasts about games just for guys, you know? For boys. For boys. There's, yeah. We don't have any women in this household, so we wanted to wanted to have a conversation about, you know, hunks, beefcakes, manly men. Maybe. I haven't even seen a woman in, like, six years, dude. Yeah. Maybe a couple of... I don't know, maybe a couple of dads in there, you know, we can, let's play around a little bit with it, but, uh, I'm going to do the intro, I'm going to say, hey, thanks for listening, this is the deephell.com podcast, today's topic is masculinity, you know, we really weren't joking about this being one for the boys. Or, you know, anybody who wants to listen. Um, just boys. But boys. Just boys. Just, and men. Just boys and men. Fellas. Uh, you all know me. I'm the host of the DeepHell.com podcast. But today, joining me is Bill Sismail from PutItOnMyBill.org, an uh, arts, man. entertainment, and culture website. Hello. <laughs> That's one way to define myself. Hello, I'm Bill, and I'm a Sismail. Um, I mean... Do you want to take a second and tell them about your website? Uh, sure. <laughs> this is impromptu. Uh, I uh, produce videos and write um, mainly about life and experiences, usually revolving around video games um, because that feels the most relevant to today's culture and my generation. Um, and I produce videos about whatever really i try to my message is to take the internet back and the only way to do that is to make content purely for yourself not for anybody else and not for monetization uh that is what is killing today's youth and i guess i think um <laughs> that's a good way to leave it off <laughs> yeah that's a good way <laughs> does to that make off. me sound like a far-right maniac 
I don't think it makes it sound like a far-right maniac at all. A far-right maniac would be, like, somebody who got kicked off of YouTube, so they made, like, a shittier version of YouTube for all their far-right friends, and was like, you're gonna be censored by the degenerate left who doesn't want you to have the right to say, like, not all people are equal or something. That's something that really happened. I feel like you're referring to an actual... I think that is specific enough that the audience will get the gist, yeah. Is that how Vimeo started? I Not Vimeo, <laughs> but there's like a couple of platforms that definitely started by like some chud getting fucking booted out of somewhere. And then being like, this is all because I said this terrible thing. Yeah, or I had a heated gamer moment. <laughs> um well, we know famous YouTubers who have gotten away with heated gamer moments. With well, everybody knows <laughs> they say hardcore YouTubers, gamer yeah. words. Um, so us two. I think it's part two. Thinking about just some guy stuff. Hey Sam, what's your favorite man in a video game? That's an easy answer, and that's going to be the tall, sword-wielding hunk Cloud Strife in Final Fantasy VII Imagine and Final that. Fantasy VII Remake. I only talk about him every time we hang out. <laughs> um, you know, because he's masculine, but his whole role is that he's kind of unsure about the masculine role he's trying to play. It's like where the depth of his character is in the original and the remake, and I don't know, he's want to pet his head and like hold him close. Sounds complicated. Yeah, that's... You know, maybe masculinity is really complicated like that. What about you, though? Well, for my money, uh, <laughs> my uh, favorite man in a video game in the short time that I had to come up with an answer uh, was John Marston from the first and second Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard of him. He's the cowboy uh, guy. Yes. And um, what I find cool about him is that some people view him as being defined by the negative traits of masculinity, as a lot of rock star characters are, you know. Yeah. Um, cool, badass, muscly, frowny man uh, who has a pathological need to save people in need. Yeah. Uh, which is also pretty typical of Western... Like the uh, masculine. Yeah. The masculine ideal, like... Yeah. Time to be um, strong, stoic, and brave, you motherfucker. That's it. Asshole. He's really defined pretty solely by his devotion to protecting his family. Yeah. That's really his main motivation. It's basically his only motivation. And I think that embodies what a man should be, a leader. Yeah, or like a protector. Take care of your community. I mean, if these not just for men, it's not like bad traits for anyone to have really, yeah. but you know, yeah, those are the positive cool traits of masculinity. Yeah, those are positive traits of masculinity. Um, hmm. What's another one of your favorites, Sam? I'm going to say... You know, they don't read... People don't usually read this into it, but if you... The most popular way to play Mass Effect <clears throat> is as what you know players call her Femshep. Jennifer Hale does an excellent job. But when you play Male Shepard... Somebody in the voice acting recording booth let him have maybe a little more fun with the lines. So if you, like, play the character, it kind of turns Shepard into this, like, belligerent goofball, like, 60s Captain Kirk more than a straight-laced military jarhead. That's one of the reasons I've liked 
the Mass Effect series, even though as I replay them, I want to off myself in a cave in the <laughs> woods. But definitely Commander Male Shep Shepard is there for me. Commander Male Shep Shepard. about you, uh, Well, I'd say uh, Max Payne would be a one. Yeah, yeah. Mentioned him earlier. Um, crash, crash... Crash Bandicoots, he's got the... Crash has got the shorts. And the... Does Crash Bandicoot have a girlfriend? Um, Crash Crash Bandicoot. I Crash mean, Bandicoot. What a, you got another one? Max Payne 2? Was that... Is that a different guy? If we sound if we sound slightly uncomfortable, that's because we're two completely sober white guys who One are of us is cishet. trying to have a com- an earnest conversation about masculinity in video games. Um, and we kind of wanted to kick this off with talking about how we feel about if video games challenge masculinity the right way and kind of i guess what it means to have masculinity challenged in a way that's not strictly emasculation like that but isn't also about reinforcing like a violent stereotype or you know toxic masculinity as is the word sure yeah and we are going to try and do all of this before bill's coke goes flat that's it I popped it open for the cool intro, and now I have to drink it. Yeah. But I have to somehow not make it sound like I'm slurping into the microphone, uh, which is harder than it sounds. <laughs> anyway, masculinity. Anyway, masculinity. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you think, challenging masculinity means? Uh, I think that is challenging socially established rules of what toxic masculinity is, and I feel like challenging masculinity is challenging that. Yeah. And seeing whether or not... Seeing if masculinity can hold up to the light, as it were. Seeing if you can rise to the occasion of being a leader or fall to the occasion of being ran by some kind of fragile, wounded ego. Yeah. uh, Which is the issue with a lot of uh, toxic uh, men and masculinity. (laughs) Um, that's sort of what we were going for yeah. with like the intro where we were listing our favorite uh, video game hunks, dads, and boys. Is like, even though almost most big AAA games and lots of video games for a very long time, I, you all play video games, you know this, are about men, specifically usually white men. It's actually hard, even as a man, to think about characters that are men we feel portray men positive. Or and, in their stories negatively, but as like a good character who doesn't fall into some kind of like toxic trap. Yeah, feels like more so now than ever people are starting to do that. Uh, with the Red Dead Redemption series, with a lot of Rockstar games actually recently, I feel like the main characters in Grand Theft Auto V uh, were challenged by their own masculinity and either rose to the occasion or fell. Could be Rockstar subverting their own writing because a lot of the time they wrote really yeah. standard, basic macho men. Mm-hmm. 
There's The Last of Us, which has done a lot for that. Um, some others that I can't think of. You can probably think of them. But don't talk about Final Fantasy VII, Sam. Uh, Cloud's just really good, though. It's just it's nice to have a video game with a male main character who's not like a grotesque display of male physical fitness. Like Cloud is, despite he's, his he's freakishly large, <laughs> he's jacked, but he's like he's shorter than everybody else in the right. game. He's pretty scrawny. He's never like towering over characters or really intimidating them through the, his size alone, which is, I think is definitely like a very negative masculine trait. Is men are either taught to kind of be invisible or dangerous, and I feel like Cloud is a character where his masculinity isn't about being either of those things. He's I present agree. and in spaces, but he is neither dangerous nor being ignored. I really like that about Cloud Strife. I like that Final Fantasy VII Remake kind of plays around with that a lot. And you have this wonderful, like, you have Cloud, a scrawny, small dude, and his, like, best friend by the end of the game is the large, huge guy who, in his role, is, like, the booster upper and the caretaker of the party. I think that's really neat. And I would have to agree. I think um, that version of masculinity is even less visible in video games oh yeah absolutely because video games are kind of meant as that look at me you know for, for the two hours that i'm playing this game i'm not the loser that i actually am when video game characters are losers they stand out more and i feel like they're more attractive in that way i've been telling you this for years but this is why you need to play <laughs> no more heroes yeah, sure Sure. Well, I mean, you still haven't played Max Payne 3, which uh, is a great I example. I need to play Max Payne 3. You know, he he's a macho, you know, look at my big beard and my big... My big beer belly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my big beer belly and my muscles, and I drink beer, and I'm really good at shooting and killing guys, but he's a chronic loser. He, yeah, he from, can't catch a break. From what I understand, that's kind of the whole plot of that game, is that he's basically... <laughs> That's He's my got a text in the middle of the podcast. Snapchat. Mute the phone. Yeah, whatever. We'll cut <laughs> this out. Show. We'll cut this out in post. <laughs> what? No, leave it in. We'll cut this out in post. Um, um, but that's pretty much what Max Payne Three is about. Like Max is a guy who isn't able to rise to like his own shortcomings. He's kind of defined by losing. Yeah. Um, which and you know you love Sam Lake and I know you do. I love um, Sam Lake. And the way that he did Max Payne in the first two games was really good, how he was... So the first game, he was kind of a one-note, noir protagonist, which is okay for what he was trying to do. The second game really subverted who he was. I haven't played enough of the second game to get a full grip on it. Judging by where he's at in the third game. Yeah. The third game is very much the Rockstar Games version of Max Payne, and you can tell that. Mm Mm-hmm. It still seems to me that it's interesting that they still play with his masculinity in that way. Being from like that do. era of rock stars yeah. specifically. He has it all, but he has nothing. He's he's a very capable, strong, macho guy, but it does nothing to soothe his pain. And in that way, I think it's a really... It's very simple, but it's a very good deconstruction. Yeah. 
you got me into this point earlier when you were talking that like if you you if you use four keywords to describe most men in video games it's like murderer badass brooder strong or strong definitely reflecting how a lot of video games of course are no matter what you know action games is kind of the default video game the way of interacting with the world is by shooting breaking stomping fists swords yo-yos guns whatever um so the types of men in video games is still has not really progressed past a certain point and usually when somebody has the men we're thinking of here are really kind of outliers right most video games don't really challenge masculinity in any way and if they do i feel like even kind of in the case of the last of us at the end of this is kind of spoilers for the end of the last of us but joel at the end of the game you know is faced with this decision and can't rise above it but the game doesn't really punish him for that shortcoming it's kind of treated as the right thing to do i don't think so at all i think um the final story beat basically in that game why can't i think of the girl's name all of a sudden ellie yeah, she kind of implies to Joel that she knows what he did and why he did it, and she is very disappointed and not not comfortable at all, being that her life costs the rest of humanity yeah. their potential. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, on like an individual, in their relationship, yeah, he's definitely punished for that. So I, I get what you're saying there, but I mean, I guess we'll have to wait to play The Last of Us Part 2. In stores now. In stores now. Thanks, Neil. And that kind of got me... <laughs> yeah. That kind of got me also thinking about, you know, talking about characters that play with do or don't deconstruct masculinity at all. Again, I listed Commander Shepard. The game kind of lets him be this goofball in the Mass Effect games yeah. if you play him a certain way. The other way of playing Commander Shepard is not playing Commander Shepard as a man. Right. Which still presents a completely unique story, different emotional beats, different relationships. I can go a lot into how Bioware kind of fumbles their partnerships between characters, same-sex relationships and gender and things like that. But just looking at the binary of male Shep and Commander Shepard as a woman... It's interesting how the game plays with both characters across those two axes, and it kind of lets you pick whether or not you want each one to represent you. Sure. And I know you kind of talked like Fable kind of does that too. So we kind of talked about how the first Fable game, you're a very generic white man. You don't you don't pick your gender. Yeah. There's very little character customization for a game that bragged about having a lot of character customization. Uh-huh. You can change your beard. that's about it which you know it's fine for what it was trying to do I think Fable was an okay game and with nostalgia blinders on it was good but then with Fable 2 and then even more so with Fable 3 in some way they began to branch into this weird progressive yet regressive blurring of the lines between genders you could choose between being a man and a woman you could cross dress in that game openly you could be in gay relationships yeah. But a lot of that was kind of played for laughs almost in some yeah. ways. You know, like Mass Effect, or not Mass Effect, Saints Row. Saints Row really let you do the same thing in later games. You could, you had much more freedom of choice over how you wanted your body. 
you could use the male preset voice on a woman preset character you could right. wear i think in maybe four you could wear clothing that was either gendered in the games like binary uh, you could kind that of was you, in the third game. Yeah, too. you could represent yourself a Second lot. Second game, actually, yeah. A host of different ways. A lot of queer people I know, and also myself, kind of had to take what we could get out of it because yeah. even though it did that, the Saints Row games still almost kind of presented as like a joke, or that breaking the gender norm isn't something normal to do. Yes, yes, I definitely get that um, that vibe from those kind of games. A thing I've noticed and thinking about Mass Effect is like both characters have different stories in who they relate to, but Male Shepherd and Femme Shep both navigate the world the exact same way. Right. Well, I can't really think of too many games that have that feature when it matters. Yeah. You know? Like there's... When I think of you can change your gender halo you could have a slightly more feminine body but that was the only difference yeah it's it's either in a step it's either like basically an invisible aesthetic option or kind of i mean either even as a non-invisible aesthetic option there's no point in mass effect where the story gets into commander shepherd being in a high-ranking military position as a woman yeah. Because it's science fiction, it can kind of hand wave it and say it's not necessary. Even though the um, most science fiction thing to do would be like make that part of the story. Right. Because science fiction is about how our society relates to the future. Um, bringing it to another game by the same developers, uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I'm going to um, let you go off on a tangent on this one because <laughs> I have not played KOTOR in going on maybe. What that came out in two thousand two thousand four I think the first game for me so for me now going on almost fifteen years, um, well it's not so much as a tangent just like that's another game where like it's one of the few games that I think of where it has a slight impact on the story, mainly it just changes your romance options, um, which is more towards the regressive side of things really. Yeah, um, where pretty much. Being a woman in the game's story is really just a matter of who you get to sleep with. Essentially, well, I mean, not exactly, um, because in the second game, the gender and the moral choices you made in the first game are somewhat relevant to the second game. But really, the only options that that have an effect on the gameplay and the story is who you can romance. Yeah. Um, from what I remember hearing about, the first Knights of the Old Republic had a lesbian relationship that was cut, and I don't think it was cut for time or for. It was cut. Storage maybe, space. It was just cut. Yeah, like you're implying, like maybe the developers were like, "Oh, we don't need to have this in the game." Damage I, control. Maybe they thought it would be controversial. I think the first Mass Effect had like a fully fleshed out romance the same way too. That was that cut. Was also cut. Only to be put in and extrapolated in Mass Effect 2. I mean, they still treat it like any other romance in the game. And that's a whole other topic to get into. But there's definitely a strange way that games deal with not necessarily strictly masculinity, but having the option of not being masculine in like an open-ended video game. Staying on the subject of actually same-sex relationships for one 
brief little tangent. Uh, the original Spider-Man game for PlayStation 2 that was based on the first Tell film. Tell me why, maybe? Uh, yeah. Did you know about... Um, there was a cheat code back when cheat codes were a thing. You could play as Mary Jane. Yeah. Um, I used the cheat code where you could play as Green Goblin. Green Goblin, yeah. Yeah, because he had the sick glider. Uh, Josh Keaton actually voiced him. Which is funny because he would voice Spider-Man later. Anyway, that's yeah. a completely well, different... <laughs> he... One more little bit about that, <laughs> He was brought on to voice uh, uh, Spider-Man, and they got Tobey Maguire later, so they made Josh Keaton voice Green Goblin. They just, oh, like, yeah. switched it. Yeah. So, um, but you could play as Mary Jane using cheats. And in the final mission of the game, Spider-Man kisses Mary Jane. They removed that cheat code because kids were playing as Mary Jane beating the game and kissing Mary Jane. Huh. And you can't have lesbian kisses in video games about radioactive superheroes. And I mean, there's a whole there's a whole can of unlear- worms to unlock there with how the Marvel Cinematic Universe has handled queer characters as basically background dressing so they can collect, like, progressive awards. There's a character... I want to say... Their first gay character in a Marvel movie, I'm pretty sure, was a guy who's basically just in the background of a scene and is like, I'm here to be gay. Yep. Uh, it was Josh Russo or whatever. Yeah, like, Josh Russo, One of the Russo, Russo brothers yeah. was like, my boyfriend, wink, wink, at the camera, look yeah. at how progressive we are. Or like, you know, there's that dream... I think it's a Pixar movie about like the Minotaur kids or whatever. Minotaur kids? Yeah. They're like fantasy oh, kids. Oh, is that the newest one, Onward? Yeah, it's like the cartoon version of that movie Bright, but like... Disney was all like, this is our first on-screen, like, queer-coded character in an animated movie, and it's like, it's a cop, first of all, and <laughs> her partner, like, never appears on-screen, so it's another sure. one of those, like, background character who's there to, like, hold up the rainbow yeah. flag of representation. Isn't that something? Um, I would like to do a podcast about same-sex relationships in video games. However, that is not <laughs> this podcast. Plus, I am a straight man who probably doesn't have a lot to say about it anyway yeah but you'd actually mentioned <laughs> something earlier before we started recording to kind of double back here to saints row we were on topic we were talking about how saints row's representation of breaking gender norms in later installments is kind of like it lets you do it but there are still parts of it that is treated like a joke but you were telling me when you originally played those you didn't see the joke in it for you it was like the first time a video game really let you break established yes. video game norms. So, you know, me being a guy who wasn't into more complicated games, I just played a lot of basic sandbox games and action games when I was a kid. The first few times that I I saw people breaking any kind of gender roles were usually played for laughs, especially in games like Bully, for instance. Um, Grand Theft Auto 4 had an example of that. Uh Yeah, Saints Row was the first time that I saw... So when you're a kid playing games, it's essentially, wow, this game is good and I really enjoy this game. That means that this game is right in every single way. Yeah. Which is a pretty narrow worldview, but it leads to stuff like I saw people cross-dressing and I thought, wow, that's fine. If these cool characters in this game, yeah, you know, like... In a way of like a 12-year-old relating to it can kind of understand. Yeah. If my rad gangster boss, voiced by Troy Baker, can wear a dress and still be a man why can't the rest of the world <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah why not? maybe masculinity isn't so wrapped up in like pieces of clothing yeah. and stuff which is sort of interesting yeah I it was c- kind of a window but it yeah. it made a difference yeah 
that's that's an interesting way of thinking about how missing out on the subject matter of a game can kind of be a positive thing or kind of doing a little reclaiming of the space without even knowing it um but back on the subject of crash bandicoot's shorts hey sam what's up why don't you tell me about how Raiden from Metal Gear Solid 2 and 4 and Revengeance I, you, relates to masculinity. You want me to go off on a tangent We totally right forgot about him, didn't we? When we were thinking of characters that kind of dissect masculinity. It feels like you're doing... Subvert masculinity. It feels like you're doing a bit right now, but I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest and say I completely Raiden slipped my brain. And it's Raiden. I think it's Raiden. I'm pretty sure they say Raiden in the game, don't they? It's Raiden. Raiden is the character from Mortal Kombat. It's Raiden. What about uh, the guy from Ninja Gaiden? Ryu? (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking of... Oops. Alright, yeah, tell me about Raiden. (laughs) (laughs) Raiden. Uh, Raiden? Um, What can I tell you about Raiden? Do you want me to re-record that so you can say his name right? Try to catch me Raiden dirty. (laughs) No, I want you to leave this bit in because it's even funnier. Yeah, okay. Um, Raiden is... A character designed to be like the mac- the masculine opposite of what car- people were expecting when they played Metal Gear Solid 2. Because they expected cool, they macho, expected solid cool snake. macho, solid snake, and they got effeminate, scrawny Raiden. Femboy. Uh, yeah, Raiden would absolutely work, <laughs> work at, at Femboy, femboy Hooters. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep that line in, but I'm going to feel it out on Is Femboy later. offensive? Depending on who's saying it and to who, not always. And that's our questions to you, podcast viewers. Is femboy an offensive term? You're going to turn... <laughs> you this gotta is, keep it this in. is why I don't have guests. I have one guest and the whole thing turns into Chapo Trap House. We're creating it. We are creating a dialogue. We're making the viewer think. I have one guest on and the whole thing turns into Chapo <laughs> Trap House. Um, but yeah, like you said, Raiden is not the gruff, cool, macho, handsome snake. He's not solid snake. That's mm-hmm. his whole point. And then later... In Metal Gear Solid 4, when he shows up, he shows up with the cool robot ninja body. And there was a lot of people who thought that it was Kojima's way of like reclaiming Raiden in the way in the eyes of the players. Like he's no longer this nonce that nobody wanted to play as. I didn't mind Raiden. Um, he's now this cool cyborg ninja. Right. But he's actually used in kind of a clever way. But this is more like inside baseball Metal Gear stuff as a commentary on how war destroys people's bodies, whether or not they fit the definition of masculinity or they don't. Sure. War destroys people's bodies. Revengeance follows through on that, but Revengeance is a whole other conversation about honor, duty. But the game is kind of obsessed with this idea of whether or not you should use your power to protect others and what protecting others with that power looks like. So Raiden's got a really interesting character arc, and I would say he's definitely, definitely number four of my favorite boys in a video game. So there. That's, does that answer your question? Uh, yes. Does that answer your question? The judges will take that as an answer. But uh, I got a question for you. What's that? You old bastard. <laughs> yeah? How do you feel, especially because I know you played the game when you were younger, about the protagonist of Bully as he relates to masculinity. All right, I like a challenging question. Um, 
Shit. All right. This is completely off script. I like it. Uh, also, one of the few characters I can think of that's like a young man in a video game that's not really a. Not yet firmly in like the mm-hmm. late teens and not a, in like late early 20s. Which is why his masculinity would absolutely define him more so mm-hmm. because he's 15. Yeah, he's trying to uh, fit into a role that society is trying to provide. James Jimmy Hopkins. James Jimmy uh, Hopkins. 15 years old, and I know this because I used to be like the hugest fan of Bully. Um, I used to do role play online, but that's a. That's a whole conversation for another day. I wish I had a spotlight to like shine in your face and tie you <laughs> to a chair just to get you to go further in on that right now, <laughs> but I'm not in. going to. <laughs> I wrote like a 10,000-word fan fiction. Uh, Jimmy Hopkins, he's a 15-year-old, you know, and he defines himself by violence. Um, that's even subverted a lot of times in the game where... Um, and it's, it's kind of subverted on a very surface level, which is... Typical of Rockstar games. I realize that like three out of three of the characters I've I've spoken about are Rockstar games characters. Uh-huh. But he, um, you know, he even has a few like one-liners thrown out where it's like, "Well, I'm just a 15-year-old kid in America, so I have to resort to violence." Har har. Yeah. Um, that kind of like very. Even the dumbest ten-year-old in the audience will get this line. Yeah. Kind of satire, air quotes that Rockstar yeah. usually goes for. Which was me. I was that 10-year-old. Yeah, um, yeah the, the whole game is basically this, this kind of exploration of, like... But did the game did the game make you confront anything about masculinity when you were playing it? Or did it reinforce of. stuff you already thought? Kind of. So, you know, there's all these cliques who are also just want to be the, the toughest, coolest boys in school, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's high school boys... And high school boys define themselves by how masculine they feel around, yeah, you know the other <laughs> the other high school boys. It did by the end made me feel like, jeez, now I have to wrap my head around. It made me feel something. It made me feel that violence didn't really get this character to where he needed to be. Yeah, didn't it got him solve through anything for him in a healthy way. He existed in a world of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. and he used his own toxic masculinity to get through it, and he did, but, you know, <laughs> he's he's going to have a hard fucking life when he grows up and realizes that high school, he's a... High school doesn't, what you do in high school doesn't really matter and impact your life. Yeah, he's the coolest kid in high school. Yeah, um, and it's kind of, it sounds kind of like his only way of dealing with the world is through violence which is not going to be a good thing for him when he enters the real world when jimmy hopkins graduates he will join the army and then flunk out and then hate himself and probably post racist things on on the internet i think we've just come (laughs) up with a darker ending for that game than rockstar probably could have (laughs) rockstar hire us for bully 2 i will make um well, they need you know they didn't have goths in that game. That's what they were missing. They had greasers, as if that's a thing. That's a thing in Arizona. Greasers? Yes. If you, Arizona I see rednecks. Greasers. I don't see greasers. Arizona has greasers, especially if you go to school down in Phoenix. I know all of the people I know who went to school down there definitely had a group of greasers in their school. Rock but is that kids, greaser? Whatever you want to call them. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I feel like there's a difference between but greaser I feel, and. Rock but I feel like when Bully, small to side tangent. I feel like when Bully was released, 
the greaser was more like the American iconography in high school for what they were trying to depict than like a group of goths would have been. Yeah, plus they were trying to go for kind of an amalgamation of timelines in that game. Yeah, like, like no a, one knows when that game like was actually timeless set. Americana feel. Yeah, which, well done, yeah. Rockstar. <laughs> so there's uh, that's way to my make a really flat character. Sorry. That yeah. <laughs> sorry for making you confront the. Sorry for making you confront the legacy of Bully here. The, off the, the reality that Jimmy Hopkins wasn't who I thought he was. Yeah. But I mean. That's kind of the thing about men in video games is they rarely are who we think they are. I feel like if you followed the same line of thinking on a lot of characters in video games to kind of end this with these thoughts, if you followed the same line of thinking of what their way of navigating the world prepares them for, that's kind of the ultimate way that video games maybe don't challenge masculinity at all. There's a whole host of games where the only way you still deal with things is through violence, being a badass, or not really shouldering any kind of burden for people around you, and then you ride off into the sunset afterwards and roll credits. I feel like video games are kind of bound to do that. Yeah, because they need some kind of exciting gameplay. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like the examples we listed have some potential. Have some potential. Yeah. When you mentioned riding off in the sunset again, I think of John Marston, and Red Dead, who was a man in a macho, shooty fighting game, who managed to make his masculinity count for something in the end. Yeah. Um, whether or not it it was some kind of deep. Taxi driver, Breaking Bad, like dissection. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It's up to you to dissect it, which is why we are speaking about this now. I still think number five is going to be Crash Bandicoot. I still think number five is going to be Crash Bandicoot. Max Payne 3. <laughs> put it on my build.org. That is, put it on my build. Dot org. Go there, get links to my YouTube and all the other cool stuff that I'm doing, writing, producing. Um, the internet can be yours if you take it back and make content for you, not for uh, YouTube's failing monetization system. Thanks for listening to the DeepHell.com podcast. And remember, you can always support us on Patreon.com backslash DeepHell.